and welcome to a new edition of the Fantasy Oddscast. Happy holidays and happy new year from us, uh, Jake and AJ. You can follow us on Twitter, JakePerry34, and you can follow me, AJ, AJDesai4. How's it going, man? Um, I heard you won your fantasy football championship, man, and I haven't won mine yet in the last eight years. Yeah, man, thanks uh, Thanks for asking. I always love talking about it. Yes, I did. Uh, in my home league, I was able to pull home a championship. Uh, I ended up with three championships this year, so... Uh, out of 12 total leagues, I ended up joining a couple best ball leagues um, as well that I co- I'm not going to lie, I completely forgot about, but I t- took home a championship in one of those as well. But yeah, man, nerve wracking week 16 for me, definitely say the least. I got Kamara, so I'm starting the week off super high note. He had Emmanuel Sanders, who only had like 13 and a half points. Uh, so Kamara and R scoring 57.2. So obviously things were looking good. And then the Saturday games rolled around. He had Mike Evans drop 40 on me. Gronk dropped 20. Fournette, 15 and a half. And I was getting a little scared there. And then my team, I had a couple duds, man. I had Josh Jacobs. You know, he decided not to score a touchdown because John Grudem told him not to. And then we all saw how that ended. But he only had seven points. Robert Tanyan only got 2.7 for me. But that game was a blowout. But, you know... Luckily, I had a 2016 version of David Johnson on the field this week to drop 30 for me. Miles Gaskin to drop 35. So I was able to pull the dub out, man. But it was a, I was nervous till the end there. Yeah, man. I mean, like, I, I didn't have Elvin Kamara. Um, I actually got eliminated in the playoffs in week 15. I got pretty. I got beat pretty badly. Uh, my opponent had him, Alvin Kamara, and he had. I think it was Miles Gaskin. So that combo right there is pretty deadly. Um, Patrick Mahomes, week fifteen. I don't think had a, had the best game of his um, of his uh, season. So um, I mean, it's okay. I mean, I played for like a twenty dollar league, so it's like what ten teams, two hundred bucks. I ended up didn't win anything because only first second and third get it and i ended up getting in fourth place um i lost the third place matchup but yeah um just just a crazy week 16 um was it was it alvin Kamara that, that had six touchdowns this past week yeah oh okay yeah he had six touchdowns probably could have legitimately had eight there was one underthrown ball by drew Brees that would have been an easy touchdown pass and then they let Taysom Hill score his weekly touchdown instead of giving Kamara the record on the first try. So he legitimately could have put up another. Uh, since I since I mostly play PPR, it would have legit been another like 14 points. He could have almost dropped 70 points this past week, which would have been just insane. That would have been that would have been the true nail in the coffin. Like if one player drops 70, you're done. Oh, definitely. I mean, like if two players drop 70, I think you're done. But um. I mean, then again, I've seen people with, like, a 70-point lead, and they completely, I mean, not blow it, but, like, I guess, like, on Sunday, you have, like, some players, like, if you have, like, a Derrick Henry or, like, a Russell Wilson in your lineup that's going against that player, that person that had um, a 70-point game between two players, I mean, that's pretty concerning. I mean, like, you know, I saw this one matchup, I think it was, like, back in Week 9, this person was up by, like, 55, and he ended ended up losing 165 to 155, so... Uh, you know, in fantasy football, anything can really happen. So, I mean, you know, it's it's uh, pretty pretty intense. You know, there's there's a lot of things. I mean, I mean, I even we tweeted out. I mean, if if your opponent had Alvin Kamara, I mean, ripped to you. I mean, you were gonna lose either way. But I mean, like, I mean, in today's NFL, like six touchdowns is the record, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. 
Yeah, it tied the record. Okay, tied the record. Like so, who has who has the seventh? Is it Gale? Sayers? Uh, no, no one's gotten seven before. Oh, okay, uh, it's it, it, Sayers does have six. I believe that. Uh, I believe Kamara. There's a couple other players that I think Kamara tied with, um, but I know Gale Sayers has ha, had the record with six. Uh, I think there's. I think there was one other player that had it, but I, I'm not... Clinton Portis, I think, of maybe. Denver, maybe. Clinton Portis. I'm trying to look Back here, see if I can find it real quick, but... Yeah, Clinton Portis, uh, Gail Sayers, um, you have uh, Ricky Waters, Jim Brown, um, and Alvin Kamara, which just put on that list. Um, but all these people are tied for five, so... And Calvin just, um, sorry, not Calvin, Alvin had six in today's NFL. So I guess, like, when back then when they were playing, it wasn't called the NFL or the Super Bowl era or something like that? Yeah, for some of, the, some of those older guys. Yeah. Yeah, so it was. I think, I think the, the nearest record would have been Clinton Portis back in 2003 when they faced the Chiefs when he was with the Denver Broncos. That was with five touchdowns, and all the other guys were like back in '60s, where and well, I mean, Ricky Waters had that '94 record, but I mean, who cares? Alvin Kamara's at one with six. I mean, that's just insane. He could have had eight. I mean, Taysom Hill, like you said, got that garbage touchdown. I mean, like you know, Sean Payton and his like quote unquote like creativity, whatever. But I mean, you know. Like you said, Alvin Kamara, if he put up a 70-burger on, on you, you're not coming out of that alive. So, pretty insane, man. That was a really good game. Insane. Yeah, it was It was fun to watch, man. It was, you know, I was watching it. I watched pretty much every game that I could this past weekend. Um, I, didn't, I don't even think I really missed, you know, thanks to Red Zone and thanks to, you know, different avenues of watching football games. Uh, I was pretty able to watch pretty much everything. That game was super exciting. The Dolphins-Raiders game was a really fun one to watch. Um, I also, yeah, I really liked watching the, uh, the Buffalo New England game just cause, um, I just love seeing huge performances out of guys and seeing what's, you know, seeing Stefan Diggs drop, you know, a 43 point game, you know, Josh Allen having a huge game as well. I just always love watching stuff like that. So it's, you know, it's anytime you see a guy go nine catches for 145 yards and three touchdowns. I'm just, again, I'm just glad I wasn't playing him. And honestly, man, I don't. I, I I loved what Buffalo did, man. I loved what they did, you know, coming out of with the twenty four point lead. And I even tweeted it out on my personal account that like I actually had. Uh, I just needed Moss to get like an, an extra ten or fifteen yards uh, to hit my parlay, and he eventually did. He broke off a twenty five yard at the end of the game. Um, but anyways, I mean, like I love watching um, teams who are up big at half who just come out slinging in the second half. I mean, I think he threw two more touchdowns to Stefan Diggs in the second half, and there was a live super boost for all my betting friends out there. I think it was uh, plus 130, where if uh, Josh Allen or Stefan Diggs got into the end zone, I regret not taking that. Like, I mean, like, like with the Bills' history with the Patriots, I think they really wanted to, like, let them know that, like, hey, we're the Bills, and we have this team. Like, build a team like ours, and we can come revisit this in, like, a, a couple of years from now when the Patriots are good again and see what they can do from there. But, like, this Bills team, Jake, this team is insane. Like, they can they can 
they can uh, chase the Chiefs a little bit, but I think the Chiefs can pull out a little trickery at the end. Yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I'm 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 excited to see how this year's playoffs turn out. As we were kind of talking about a little bit, um, or I was talking to some other people about it, like the way like the different ways that this NFL playoff could break down. You know, it'll be interesting to see like what teams end up in, what teams end up out. But you know, being able to see you know what this Buffalo team can do. You know, they're honestly like we've seen Pittsburgh kind of falter a bit recently. You know, Tennessee obviously didn't have a good showing. Uh, this past week against Green Bay, Miami's Miami. You know their best quarterback is sitting on their bench. I agree. So, there. you know, <laughs> you know it'll it's going to be interesting to see. And then you have teams like you know teams like the Colts who are staying you know staying pretty hot. The teams like the Ravens who have kind of picked it up and you know are putting up some pretty good numbers finally again. You know that that AFC playoff race looks super interesting. And then you look at this NFC side of things and you're just like. I don't know. It's just kind of boring to me. Like Green Bay, yeah, we kind of knew they would make the playoffs. The Saints, yeah, we knew they'd make the playoffs. Their division sucks. Um, you know, you have Tampa, who's who's gonna who made the playoffs, who already clinched the spot, I believe. Um, it looks like Washington's in the first spot, so they're playing the Eagles for their life. The Rams have to win to get a spot. I think. I think if they, I think if the Rams lose and we win, I think they there's a potential that the Rams fall out of a playoff spot. So you know, this side of the the bracket's definitely interesting. Um, but it's just like I don't know, I don't see a team beating the Chiefs right now. Like the Chiefs play a bad game and you're just like, oh, okay, so they are human. But then they have game. You like you look at just some of the games against like they play really good teams really well and then they play really bad against really bad teams. Like they just play down to their competition level. But I don't see a team stopping this Chiefs team. So, like, I'm, I don't want to say it's, this is the Chiefs Super Bowl to lose, but that's kind of how it feels. No, I agree because, like, like you know, I watched this Chiefs game against the Atlanta Falcons game. I mean, I had red zone on. Um, in the last three, three weeks, I've been having red zone on. I'm a Chicago Bears fan. So, I mean, like, it's painful right now. But then again, I mean, we're making a run to the playoffs. So, but anyways, what we were talking about was the Chiefs and Falcons game. And I was just like, you know, like the Falcons just pissed that game away, you know, on the field goal. You know, I mean, like you're expected to go make that kick and go take this game into overtime. And I think it was Young Hoku that missed it. So, I mean, like, you gotta, you gotta make that kick. I mean, like, like, in terms of, like, what, what Jake just talked about, and, like, there's not a team beating the Chiefs, the Chiefs are a different animal. Right now, they're a bull in a regular season, right? They'll be a raging bull in the playoffs. Like, they, they'll have guys healthy, they'll involve guys, like, like, I don't know, like, Andy Reid, like, is just a different person in the playoffs. Like, he calls different things. He d- tries different things. He experiments different things. And, like, you know, like, I think the Chiefs, like, if like, let's just say if they're down. And, like, let's just say if the Bills just make the AFC Championship. And, like, we predict the score. Like, in, going into the fourth quarter, Bills are up 28-16. to 16. I really think the Chiefs are going to, like, try to try to come back and try to win the game. I mean, like, I would I would actually end up seeing the Chiefs winning that game 30-28, to 28, to be honest. Because, like, the Chiefs and how they play defense in the fourth quarter, like, they don't allow anything. Like, like you saw in that Atlanta game. I mean, like, granted, yes, Patrick Mahomes did throw that interception. It was brought back the other way. 
and I think it was fumbled, and then it ran out of bounds, but then it was still Atlanta's ball. But then still, like, Mahomes still found a way to find Kelsey in the end zone for in the first half, right? But then, you know, you didn't see the Chiefs, like, fall out of competition in t- in entirely out of the game, right? You saw them like, all right, you know, we're, we started out slow the first three quarters. Now it's time to get to work. And then in the fourth quarter, I mean, you saw them, like, tighten up. You saw them, like, you know tied up on defense and they didn't really allow anything so i mean like yeah i agree like there's not a team that's gonna like beat the chiefs i don't think i think they're gonna go on their quest and go to the second super bowl in a row i don't know about winning it but we'll see yeah it so and like i've seen people on twitter being like they barely beat the falcons how are they gonna beat better teams well one we've seen them beat better teams all year um, this is also a Chiefs team that's down their their you know their rookie sensation running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who again might have been the most overhyped prospect at least in fantasy purposes this year. But you know he definitely you know has he fits well in that offense. He he plays the role that he needs to play in that offense. But this is also a team that was kind of limiting Tyreek Hill's snaps. You know we only saw Tyreek targeted six times. Um, you know Daryl Williams ends up being you know kind of their you know their leading toucher when it comes to uh, the running back side of things, you know, we and we saw just like a game where it kind of looked like Mahomes was just like, let's see if I can make, like, let's just see what I can do and just see what I can make happen this game because it doesn't matter if we win win this game or not. Um, yeah, I just and you know, really the only player who looked even good against this, this Chiefs defense, Calvin Ridley, who he's a top five, top ten wide receiver in, in the NFL right now. He's gonna look good against no matter what team they're playing and then Hayden Hurst finally you know when and when Hurst got his targets you know he caught every ball that was thrown his way 47 yards and a touchdown so you know he had a pretty decent game but past those two guys like that right there accounts for over half of Matt Ryan's passing yards accounts for a third of his receptions and they you know their star running back in Todd Gurley is being benched and out touched by guys like Brian Hill and Ito Smith like you know, this nobody on this Falcons team looked good against this Chiefs team. This Chiefs team just was clearly like, I don't want to say they kind of cashed it in, but they were like, we're going to win this game. So let's just do some dumb stuff and see what happens. No, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, you know, like, I, I think this was a game like where Andy Reid was trying to experiment things rather than actually us just go out there and just like bury them. Because we already know the Chiefs are just going to go out there and bury teams. Like, we've seen them play, like, better teams like you mentioned earlier, like, Jake. I mean, like, this it's just it's just ridiculous. I really feel like, you know, fans on Twitter just, like, you need to take a step back. I mean, like, you know, this Chiefs team is still pretty good. Granted, I know Patrick Mahomes has, like, 24 dropped interceptions, right? But, like, it's not like the Chiefs can't overcome those interceptions if they were caught, right? So, I mean, like, I mean, in the alternate universe, if Patrick Mahomes does have 30 interceptions right now, including his six and the 24 that people assume that you got to catch, right? I mean, then, I mean, it would be a different outcome. But, like, you know, he doesn't have those 24 interceptions. And it's, um, I think God is on his side, you know? I mean, like, I'm not going to give you an interception right now. So, I mean, like, whatever. You know, I'm, I don't really look at, look at a drop interception stat and be like, oh, okay, Patrick Mahomes is like, you know, um, he's kind of, you know, shaky, shaky a little bit. I mean, no, like, 
we seen him make that like drop interception throw and then we seen him throw a touchdown on the next throw so it's just like you know it, these these again these are all human Patrick Mahomes still goes home and he still uh sleeps and then he comes back to practice the next day so it's you know it's at the end of the day these guys are human I don't care how many drop uh, drop passes, uh, drop interceptions. Um, Patrick Mahomes has. I think he's still like a goat in the making in this league. Also, like you have to look at things in a lot of perspective. Like guys who throw the ball as much as Mahomes does in that offense are going to have more dropped interceptions. We saw the same thing last year too with Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston led the league in dropped interceptions. Jameis Winston had the second or third most pass attempts in football last year. This year, Patrick Mahomes leads the league in dropped interceptions. He's got the second most pass attempts in football. By a, you know, by a, the only other, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's got 20 more. Matt Ryan's got, you know, eight less. And then past that, you start getting into, you know, double digit numbers of less throw attempts. Like, yeah, if you're not throwing, if you throw the ball more, you're more likely to have guys who are going to drop the ball. And, you know, you're going to have those dropped interceptions. It's just the, it's the way that, you know, rate stats like that go. And it's, it's not something I'm going to hold against Patrick Mahomes. You know, it may be an NFL record for, you know, they're saying it's an NFL record for dropped interceptions. But, like, even if Patrick Mahomes has, you know, add those 16 interceptions, sure. You know, say half of them get caught, which is a realistic amount. That's eight interceptions. He's still got 38 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. That's still elite production. That's still top of the league when it comes to touchdowns. That's, you know, that's still insane numbers. Like, it doesn't really change, like, his offensive outlook at all. Sure, he's been lucky with the drops, but, like, that doesn't truthfully affect, you know, the outlook on Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback. No, it truly doesn't. I mean, like, I really think that, like, that Falcons game was more of, like, you know, Patrick, go out there and go do what you can without my help, you know, because there's going to be times where, you know, you're going to have to get out of, like, crunch time situations, and he has, you know, in the past. Like, you know, last year the Chiefs rallied in every playoff game. So, I mean, like, this is not a team that you want to be like, oh, hey, they just lost to the, the Falcons in regular season. Like, like I said, this team is a raging bull in the playoffs and if they're even down like 35 to 14 i swear to god they're gonna find a way to win 42 to 35 like their defense will go on straight lockdown folks i'm telling you like this is not the this is not a pass defense you want to face i think they're like the second or third best pass defense in the league right now i mean like i don't know about run but like still i mean like if the run doesn't work you're gonna be forced to pass right and that's where the Chiefs are best. So that's where, you know, guys like the Honey Badger, I think he's on there. Um, and uh, I don't know who their corners are, but, like, still, that defense is still pretty solid. And, you know, if you're playing for a guy like Andy Reid, I mean, like, you're damn well going to, like, you know, play for him. You're going to play for the Chiefs organization. Yeah, it's – and if you look at these, like, if you actually look at the dropped interceptions, too, like some of what are being considered, these dropped interceptions are – one of them that is being counted in here is a sack fumble that the refs incorrectly ruled him down on and Billichek couldn't challenge it. You know, the, the referees are going to have things like that. Another one is an interception that was negated by a pass interference call. So it's not like all of these drops have even been quote unquote drops. He also had seven of these drops in week by week five. So, you know, if you do the math there, that's like almost half of the, that's yeah. almost half of the dropped interceptions were in the first five games of the season. When quarterback, Quarterbacks are arguably more likely to make a mistake because they're getting into the swing of things still. So, you know, I don't see, like, 
you know, and then there's guys who also have, you know, you have dropped interceptions that like, you know, Travis Kelsey drops a ball or a ball hits him in the hands. It then hits the receiver's hands and then gets dropped. Like that's like, it's just, it's asinine to say that. And yeah, this game definitely looked like that to me too. It looked like a kind of just like, let's just get this one over with. Let's cash it in. We'll keep Pat out there so we can, you know, pat his stats a little bit, but otherwise like, we're going to win this game. If we don't win this game, oh dang, we're 13 and two going into week 17 and still have a fully secured, you know, first seed in the, in the playoffs. Like it's not, it was just not a big deal game to them. And that's how they treated it. End of story. Yeah, exactly. They can go 13 and three and this will be the first seed. So I'm not really, really concerned about the chiefs. I really think they're going to make a deep run in the AFC side of things. So, um, yeah, but like, you know, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, like we talked about, uh, who was on my fantasy team. I mean, he provided a lot of stuff for me. So, I mean, like, you know, we talked about him. I also had guys like DK Metcalf. And, like, you know, this episode is more about, like, a fantasy recap of the entire season and how we're and how these players did in the entire season. So, Jake, what are some of the players outside of the QB position? Or, like, if you do have another QB um, aside from Patrick Mahomes, um, what are some other players that actually performed really well for you? So um, for me specifically, um, a lot of my guys were the guys that you would expect to perform. Um, so, you know, in, in my championship winning rosters anyway, the guys that I had that, you know, really carried me kind of the whole year, your guys like Alvin Kamara, your, your Aaron Joneses, your Josh Jacobs, uh, wide receiver wise, I had Ridley in basically every league that I played in. Guys like him, I, dressed, I drafted Justin Jefferson in basically every league that I played in. I had a lot of stock of A.J. Brown, Tyler Lockett, C.D. Lamb, Will Fuller. Um, so, you know, it's it's kind of the guys that you expected to perform. Um, when it came to championship week, guys like Miles Gaskin dropping 35 and guys like David Johnson dropping, you know, almost 30. Those are huge things for me. Those are, you know, big reasons why I ended up winning. Um, but if you look at like kind of the season on the whole, um, you know, if you consider like so the way that we consider things in the fantasy world, for those who aren't aware, is we do basically every rating system off of a 12 team league because 12 team is kind of considered like the pinnacle, you know, the, the, the magic number, quote unquote, for fantasy purposes. So if you look at like the quarterback ones on the year, you do have some pri- some surprises in there. Guys like Ben Roethlisberger and Kirk Cousins, who, you know, people early on in the season or even as recently as a few weeks ago, were kind of counting them out of really in a conversation. You know, those guys ended up being wider or quarterbacks 12 and 11. Um, so, you know, having those guys on the season as quarterback ones uh, from the running back side of things, Kenyon Drake started the season really slow um, for a lot of owners, but he ended up being a wide a, a running back one. Uh, Josh Jacobs for me is a running back one, but I'm very, bullish on him or uh you know what what is it bearish is the opposite going forward you know i'm not sure how john gruden can use him more effectively it's very clear he doesn't want to treat him like a true workhorse while still treating him like a true workhorse it doesn't really make sense but if you watch the games you know exactly what i'm talking about yeah i think it's more of like the offensive line there in oakland i think it has to be like i think like 
I mean, like maybe, maybe like you know, we talked about this in our other podcasts, and you know, Josh Jacobs was nursing an injury. I don't know how much that has to do with his performance, but like you know, that was a couple of weeks ago. And like if he re- if he fully recovered, then he has to play better. But like you know, this offense in Oakland, I think it's what twenty fifth or twenty sixth overall, and the and the run game in Oakland isn't really like effective. Like I don't know, like I, I that's what I think. At least these last couple of games, like. Like, I don't think the run game is effective. And that's where we see a little lack in the passing game, I think, maybe, in the Oakland Raiders. But, like, um, not Oakland, sorry, Las Vegas. I keep calling them the Oakland Raiders, but Las Vegas Raiders. But, anyways, like, what did you what did you think that, like, in these last couple of games of the Oakland Raiders, did you did you really see that um, from, from the beginning of the season, Josh Jacobs was just lights out? Like, he was just crazy, crazy good. But then, like as in the as he fell into this week fourteen to week seventeen period, what did you what did you think about that? Like how 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 has he been performing? So I think what we're seeing out of Jacobs a lot in that offense is they clearly don't want to use him as a pass catching back, and I think that hurts his value a lot because he's not a guy who's going to consistently be breaking you know, 40, 50 yard runs, 60 yard runs. He's not going to be putting up big numbers that way. He's putting up decent numbers still because of the volume that he's getting. You know, he's averaging over 14 touches or 15, 16 touches a game. Um, So he's getting, you know, he's getting the volume. And that's something that we're obviously always looking for um, in fantasy purposes. But he's been very touchdown dependent this year since he's not being used in the passing game. Um, You know, his, his year high passing game was week one where he had four catches for 46 yards. You know, he didn't have a receiving touchdown on the year. He just... His from a fantasy perspective, he he's a he's a floor guy just from the volume that he gets. But he's such he's so touchdown dependent and he's been that way all year. You know, he's and he's not a guy who's scoring touchdowns very frequently either. For whatever reason, the way John Gruden runs that offense in the goal line or in the you know, in the red zone or the 10 zone. There's just not a lot of opportunity for him there. So, like, he had the three touchdowns against Carolina week one. He had two touchdowns against Kansas City week five, two against Denver week 10. And then he had three other touchdowns over the remaining, you know, 14 or 12 games that they played. So he's, you know, he's touchdown dependent, which is something that we don't necessarily love from a fantasy perspective. Obviously, those big games did end up still making him a running back one on the year. And I think a lot of that was also due to injuries to a lot of other running backs. You when you see a guy like Josh Jacobs, who, you know, statistically speaking, is not as good of a running back um, from on like a per touch basis as other running backs that are out there. He, you know, is beating out guys who just happen to not play as many games. You know, Josh Jacobs, he had almost 70 more. He had over 70 attempts more than Nick Chubb, but he's averaging 1.6 less yards per carry. You know, when you have guys like Miles Sanders who missed a couple games and came out of some games with injuries, you have guys like Antonio Gibson, who's a rookie, who's coming into his offense. And, you know, it took him a while to really take over the role there. You know, you're just not seeing a super productive year out of Josh Jacobs and this is a concern that a lot of people had going into the season as well is would he be able to kind of sustain the success and the way that he's getting these nagging injuries pretty constantly where he's got you know he's got an ankle injury here and a knee injury here like from a fantasy perspective like I'm gonna kind of shy away from Josh Jacobs going forward I faded him in this year's draft for a reason I ended up trading for him um, but that was mostly out of necessity for a running back but you know, 
just what I see out of that offense, just they just don't want to use him in a way that's conducive to like true fantasy success, if that makes sense. No, I completely agree because like, you know, if you have a guy like Josh Jacobs, just keep on giving him the ball. You know? That's the big argument in Chicago that like, you know, David Montgomery wasn't getting the carries like, like four weeks ago, but now he's getting the carries. But like, you know, going back to uh, Josh Jacobs, like if he's if he's touch dependent, like you mentioned, like, you know, just keep feeding him the ball. And like, you know, like you mentioned, the Oakland's red zone offense is just gross, like like gross in a terrible way. Like what what are they doing? Like 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 you should be targeting guys like Darren Waller. Like we were talking about Josh Jacobs and I think Darren Waller is just having a magnificent season. And like it bothers me when the Raiders just go like go away from Darren Waller, right? Like he had that insane one-hand diving catch and after that, Jake, I didn't even see anything from Waller. You know, where like they could have won that game. Like we were, we were just talking about Josh Jacobs. Talk about Darren Waller, your uh, your other guy. I, did you also draft Darren Waller too on your teams? One of your teams? No, I had a lot of Waller shares last year. On I, he went too high in too many in a lot of my leagues. He went a lot earlier this year. I really tried to focus on you know the wide receiver and running back positions. I kind of faded tight ends a lot, which is something that I regret and don't regret. I'll get into that you know probably in a podcast later down the road here, um, but. Yeah, man, they're I don't get why they're trying to run like consistent like corner routes to Zay Jones and little underneath dig routes to guys like Alec Ingold. Like like you're saying, like you have these uber talented guys, you have physical freaks like Josh Jacobs, you have guys like, you know, he's not a superstar. You know, I still think he's a very good receiver, but you have guys like Nelson Aguilar who can go up and get it. You have much better options and then like you have guys like Jason Witten who looks like he's running with 10 pound eights weights on his ankles 90% of the time like he like why are these guys in on goal line packages if they're one not blocking and they're the guys that are running the routes like you have these you just have an inefficient it's 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 essentially an old school style of play on the goal line where you're relying on your big your your quote-unquote your big guys to make plays um and when you have superstars like Darren Waller, like he should be the guy that you're trying to get the ball into his hands and get the plays going to him. You know, he's, he's putting up wide receiver numbers out of the tight end position. Like you have, like, if you're not going to use Henry Ruggs, if you're not going to use Josh Jacobs, if you're not going to use, you know, guys like, you know, Brian Edwards, who a lot of people are super high on, like, your offense needs to find consistent ways to score. And they just haven't done that. And I think, like you have no excuse to not be like even throwing a little like Texas route, you know, have Josh Jacobs do a little Texas route up the middle and get him open in space underneath, like getting that on the ten, in the 10 zone is more effective than throwing a corner route to Zay Jones. Like it just is. You're just you're you're not using John Gruden is failing to use the talent that he has in front of him in the correct ways. He's trying to he's trying to like do what worked in 2001. And it, at least that's what it looks like to me anyway. Yeah, I mean, they. you remember that first stint? Oh, my God. Like, I don't even know what was going through Al Davis's mind when he was alive back then. Um, like, And then, like, his son made the same decision by giving him $100 million over 10 years, I think it was, and 10% of the team. Oh, like, oh, my God, that's even worse. Like, you know, I mean, like, I don't know if it's, like, something. Like, it is John Gruden's fault. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I just think that, like, you got to use your playmakers 
when you're three yards away from the end zone. You know, Darren Waller could run a perfect out route and it could be a touchdown. You know, he could beat guys like linebackers and corners to the corner of the end zone. And his size defeats corners and safeties. See, and, I, and like you mentioned, like the stuff with Zay Jones, I don't even know what the hell they're doing with that stuff. I'm like, I don't even get it. Like, like I mean, like, yeah, like Josh Jacobs dances um, like a yard before the end zone. But if that doesn't work on second down, run a play action to Darren Waller or Nelson Aguilar. You have these playmakers, but then no, you choose guys like Zay Jones and guys like Hunter Renfro who are dropping bucket passes. And like, you know, I mean, like we, I, I, I'm a firm believer in that if a, if a pass hits your hand, like it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to catch it, but like if it's a catchable ball, like catch it and make a play, you know, it goes both ways. So, I mean, I mean, enough about the Enough, enough about the Raiders, man, and their stupidity in the red zone. I mean, like, I think they can be a really, really good team if they just executed well and actually, you know, compete against the Chiefs. But, I mean, they can't. So, I mean, you know, that's one thing that we could talk about in the future next year if they have the firepower. And I think that team does have the firepower. They just need to, like, you know, um, just execute, like I said, execute better. But, like, you know, we were talking about some of the running backs that performed well for us. I mean, like, I had – I drafted Christian McCaffrey uh, – first overall pick for me and I'm, I'm not completely mad um about it like he he did get paid recently and it's like why would ownership want to like go out and put this person in the game when you're like i think it was week 10 uh they just lost the bears and they're like i think uh five and five so at that point like mccaffrey wasn't playing that game against the bears he was out and um like four years, sixty-four million. Jake is as an owner of a professional football team. Would you want Christian McCaffrey to rest that hammy on the sideline and get him ready for next season? I'm an advocate for that. Yeah, I mean that—that's clearly what happened. Like he definitely want. Like it was clear that he wanted to be out there, as most football players do. Like guys don't want to be hurt. You know, we saw Raheem Mostert tweeting about it. Like guys don't want to be hurt. Guys don't want to be missing time. Like they don't these guys love football. They love playing the game of football. They don't love rehab. They don't love stretching and they don't love, you know, sitting on the sidelines watching their team play while they're just like twiddling their thumbs on a Microsoft surface. Like, you know, it's, it's clear that that was an ownership decision to rest McCaffrey for most of the year and make sure that he was a hundred percent going into the rest of his contract, especially when it was clear that their playoff picture was next to nothing. It, you know, it was an ownership decision and it's one that I agree with, you know, I'm surprised that we saw Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs come out for the second half of that game. Like, like we were talking about as cool as it was to see, like, I'm surprised we're seeing that once that, you know, I'm an advocate for keeping your guys healthy. Like, if you are guys that are like out of the playoff race, like, um, like I'm trying to think of a like a, like an Antonio Gibson here. Like, yeah, he probably could play through the injury that he's got right now, but it's it's in ownership's best interest to make him you know wait a little bit and wait you know wait some time with it. You have guys like, you know, if they were already like already had a secured playoff spot, you wouldn't have seen Derek Carr out there playing quarterback this past week. You would have seen. Marcus Mariota, like exactly. if, if you if you are playing a guy who has a potential re-injury risk, um, like and he's on a good contract or you already have a playoff position secured, like you're just going to look like an idiot if something bad happens. So it's it's you know, it's an it's a decision that these ownership teams make. That's exactly why we saw James Robinson not play 
against the Bears this past week. He's a perfect example of it. He probably could have played. He said he wanted to play. He said he could have practiced and could have played. Ownership realizes the talent that they have in James Robinson. They're not going to risk that on a meaningless game when they're already 1-13 in, you know, in week 16 of the NFL regular season when they're not going to be in the playoffs and they're in a position that's really well set up, arguably the best setup position of any like bad team going forward. When you look at like them having multiple first and second round picks in this upcoming draft, a lot of young talent and guys like him, Chark, uh, Chenault, like you, you've got talent at a lot of really good positions here. You've got a decent offensive line, not good, not, not bad, but you could, you've got the tools to build up your roster really quickly here. There's no point in playing a guy like James Robinson in this game. And it's the same thing that they did with Christian McCaffrey all year long. As a McCaffrey owner myself, yeah, I agree, it sucked. Um, but like you said, I totally understand why they did it. And ultimately, like fantasy football is fun, but real football is what they're playing. So, like, as much as we want McCaffrey in our lineup, McCaffrey wants to be in the lineup, and they want McCaffrey in the lineup, but they're not going to risk losing more money on the investment that they've already made. And let's also talk from a realistic point of view, folks. I mean, like, let's not let's not act like us fans would have like a, a terrible hamstring strain because those things they actually fucking hurt. You know, those hamstring strains. Oh my god! Like, they're like it. Like your legs tighten up, your back of your legs tighten up. You can't even walk. You're limping around everywhere. It's just, it, it's just terrible. Like you gotta be able to like understand what predicament these players are going through every every day at practice. I mean, like yeah, I know it. I get it. It's the NFL. I get they're getting paid millions of dollars for it, right? But they're they're the ones that like I, like I don't know if um I don't know if you heard what JJ Watt said um after the game yeah. on Sunday. Like yeah, it was great. It's a great example. Great you speech know? he had. Right, yeah. it's a great example. You know, like you can't like like have like a two-way street where you can have it both ways they're like oh hey if if christian mccaffrey doesn't play then i want my team to be good like like, that can't be possible christian mccaffrey's the offense of the carolina panthers you know you just have to understand the predicament of the injury and put yourself in the player's shoes and like all right like you know if i was christian mccaffrey like why would i play you know i want to secure my bag and my future because you know um this could um, also be a financial decision too because like if they force Christian McCaffrey out there, and if he tore his hamstring in a really bad way, I don't think the Panthers, like, as a billion-dollar organization, I mean, yeah, they'd probably keep him for the next year, but, like, there's probably an out in his contract somewhere if he's not the same player, you know? It could happen to anyone, you know? Like, I've seen, I've seen, like, a guy like Kevin White, you know, like, broke his shin for the Chicago Bears, and he's never been the same after that. So, I mean... It's you got to be able to understand the predicament of the players, and as a fantasy owner, and I get it because I drafted this guy in my league in a fifty dollar league in a twenty dollar league as well. So I mean, like technically, I did invest seventy dollars into Christian McCaffrey and winning those leagues. So I mean, if you could put your like um, pride aside and see it from a like realistic point of view, then kudos to you. But if you can't, then I don't know. I don't know why you play fantasy football and expect to win. Yeah, man, it's, you know, you got to you gotta recognize that when it comes to fantasy, there's an aspect of this that we can't control, which is almost all of it. Like, 
I have got like I consider myself to be pretty knowledgeable when it comes to fantasy football, football in general, baseball, like a lot of sports. You know, I've I've played these sports my whole life. I've looked into the analysis side of things, you know, the scouting side of things, and I know what to look for. Like, I can't predict that a guy like Jeff Wilson is going to outscore a guy like Josh Jacobs. That's why I have 28.4 points sitting on my bench while Jacobs is in my lineup with 6.9. I can't necessarily predict that a guy like Jalen Hurts is going to drop a 40-burger last week when he's coming in as an unproven rookie playing a, a defense that, you know, has been not great, but, like, but has been pretty good. Like, the Arizona defense hasn't been awful this year. You know, I, like, we can't predict these things, just like we can't predict injuries. You know, I took Christian McCaffrey in the 101, and any league I had the 101 in. He was the clear running back one in football going into this season, like, that's a decision you're going to make. And there's, there's just like you're saying, like we said, like there's an aspect of this that we can't control. We have to do the best we can with what we can. And we have to adapt when that situation doesn't go our way. hundred percent. You know, I mean like in, and like you said in the, in the last couple of episodes, if it doesn't go your way, you know, it's fine, baby. Let's run it back. And I'm going to run it back with you in our dynasty league. And I can't wait. If I get one one then it's going to be Christian McCaffrey. I think he's still, the best running back in football. Um, like I like I also think like Alvin Kamara could be that argument too, like at one one oh two or one on three. But like, you know, it all depends on the on longevity of Drew Brees being his quarterback. So, um, like I'm excited for that Dynasty League, man. I'm really, really excited. So I mean, it's gonna be fun, it's gonna be good, uh, for some money. I can't wait. Yeah, man, it'll be fun. Like you're saying there i've got a couple other guys that i think could be, could be considered in that 101 to 103 spot little guy named saquon barkley coming back here yes just you know we want to say you know people want to knock him all, all of that people want to you know make fun of the pick and all if wayne gallman can average four and a half yards per carry with that offensive line I can't wait to see what Saquon's gonna do. Saquon's gonna saying. average like sixty yards, <laughs> six yards a carry, baby. Like I can't wait, man. Saquon's gonna. I completely forgot about Saquon Barkley too, man. Like I, like how could you forget about Saquon Barkley? Oh my god, man. That's just Saquon Barkley's gonna be back from that ACL tear, you know. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's gonna be back, man. This running back, this running back room is gonna be great. But like, you know, right before we go into our like, you know, like our locks and dogs and our parlays that we're gonna talk about at the end of the show, uh, what about some wide receivers and some defenses that actually, you know, came out of nowhere? Like any any wide receiver that came out of nowhere, or any wide receiver that was just like, you know, had that top five pedigree that maintained that top five pedigree, or just like a sleeper that just like continued showing your um well not showing your sorry um lifting your team to greatness anything any defense or any wide receiver yeah i mean um the the number one option at least when it comes to like the wide receiver position is easily justin jefferson um i'm trying to pull up here what his adp was this year i don't think i spent anything more than like a 14th round pick on him like he's a guy who just people didn't really value coming into the year um whether it was they just didn't trust that he was going to be a true wide receiver one in that offense or they didn't think that his role was going to be as big you know i like justin jefferson i saw you could see the talent coming out of college but he was the uh, um on average anyway he was the 48th wide receiver taken in all of football and on average um his his average pick spot 
was in, in the 120. So he's averaging, depending on your league, a 10th, 12th round pick, depending on how deep your league is. And he's finished the year as the number eight wide receiver in PPR leagues. Like his his role in that offense coming from his draft position, like he is was him and James Robinson were the two biggest steals of the year in fantasy football. And then you have guys like Calvin Ridley. Like I was super high on him coming into the year. I said he was going to end the year as a top five wide receiver. I was right, especially on a points per game basis. He was number four. Um, but overall, PPR scoring, he was number five. Um, the, you know, and then you have guys like, you know, there were people talking about, oh, I should drop Mike Evans. I should drop, you know, a wide receiver one. Wait, 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 wait. Who said that? Who who said that you should drop Mike of, Evans? A lot of people. Oh, uh, there there was a lot of a lot of talk on Twitter about him being droppable in redraft leagues. Um, and at the time, it made a little bit of sense. He was a little touchdown dependent this year, but also like. He's still going to end the year as a wide receiver one. You know, he, there's there's guys that kind of reach a level of untouchable. Like, like I'm not dropping a top 20 wide receiver if I don't have to. I'm not dropping a top 20 running back if I don't have to. Like, unless there's a, like like a season-ending injury, like, these guys aren't leaving my roster. And then if you start to look more at the wide receiver twos as well, um, so that next kind of tier of 12, so your, your wide receivers rank like 13 through 24 – that's where you get a lot more of the surprises really this year, I think. I don't think a lot of people had Cole Beasley pegged as a wide receiver two coming into the year. I don't think a lot of people had T. Higgins pegged as a wide receiver two coming into the year. I don't think a lot of guys had people, you know, I don't think a lot of people had Robbie Anderson pegged as a wide receiver two coming into the season. Like, there's a lot of talent at the wide receiver position right now, and that's what makes fantasy football so fun is you have to try and find those guys that are hidden gems. But I think the wide receiver position offered the best opportunity to find those hidden gems this year. Um, and, you know, like you said, man, I'm looking forward to next year. I'm looking – I'm already looking forward to 2021. I'm working on my fantasy rankings. I'm working on, you know, guys that I'm targeting in both redraft and dynasty leagues. And it's going to be a fun year, man. I'm excited. Yeah, man. I mean, like, you know, I mean, like, I really love DK Metcalf this year. Um, like, that guy is just insane. Um, but, like, you know, like like you were talking about Justin Jefferson. And, like, I, you know, just because, like, the offensive rookie of the year shows bias to the QB position, it's probably going to be Justin Herbert. So, and, like, you know, I mean, like, that's no shade on Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, like, he he proved me wrong really well i mean i didn't actually expect anything from him because chargers being chargers and all that but like you know i mean he rallied and his team helped him out when the six or seven wins that they have right now um provided probably anthony lynn might be gone a week from now and when we do the next podcast but um versus also also a lot of coaches might be gone from their job jobs but you know, man, going back to this wide receiver, like I drafted DK Metcalf and I also had DeAndre Hopkins. But like I, I looked at Hopkins and like he had like, I don't want to say a bad year, but like a step back of a year. Like, you know, like since I think it was his first year without Deshaun Watson being his quarterback. So it really it really like felt that like he didn't like put up as many good games like you can correct me if i'm wrong here but yeah like i had deandre hopkins i had dk metcalf um in my wide receiver two spot so um hopkins in my one dk metcalf in my two and my slot was let me see right here um it was uh keenan allen so um i mean those 
like provided Keenan Allen's injury late in the season, like out of those three, like it was DK Metcalf, Keenan Allen, and then Hopkins performing for me like on a ranking scale. Yeah, Hopkins ended the year as uh, PPR wide receiver four, um, which was, you know, I think, I mean, it's very clearly he's one of the top three wide receivers in football, and I think nobody can really make that argument. I think what you see in this offense, as opposed to what we saw in the seen in the past, is he's still getting a ton of targets, but he's not, like, his floor isn't quite what it was last year. So I think he was a little bit more reliant on those big plays, those big games. Um, whereas, you know, he had more, you know, sub 10, he had, you know, a few 10 point games, a couple of sub 10 point games, like overall his production was still phenomenal. I mean, clearly you're not going to end the season as a top five wide receiver. Um, if you're not putting up those kind of numbers, um, but yeah, I could see how it could feel like kind of a down year. Um, I think part of that too is we see the years that Tyreek, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams had, and we're just kind of like disappointed that you know guys like D Hop who are more talented than you know. I think I think D Hop's a better pure wide receiver than Tyreek Hill. I think D Hop's a better pure wide receiver than Stephon Diggs. So like seeing them underperform those team like those guys a little bit, I think that's part of why it maybe feels like Hopkins didn't have as great of a year. But, I mean, you know, he's still DeAndre Hopkins. He's still balled out. You know, he still puts the team on his back when he needs to. I think it's just a, a matter of, you know, if the, and a lot of people were worried about him switching offenses in the beginning of the year, too. If this is his first year in this offense and this is going to be as bad as it gets, like, Scott, like, literally, like, over the moon is the, the ceiling going forward. Like, he could legitimately end the next couple of years – again, as like, as like the wide receiver one or two in football, like it's just that he's got too much talent there. And as long as he's able to stay healthy and Kyler stays healthy, like the sky's the limit. Yeah, definitely. I think the, the shoulder injury that uh, Kyler had that kind of, um, like uh, hurt him there a little bit. So, I mean, like, you know, I like, I, I would actually give it a year, give it a couple of years there with DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, I, I still think he's the clear top three, but like, you know, the top one for this season is like no other than DeAndre, um, not, sorry, not DeAndre, uh, Devontae Adams. I mean, that boy is just, he is electric, man. Like, I don't even know how he comes down with these touchdowns, man. Like, I mean, like, yeah, he has uh, the best quarterback in the league, in my opinion, I think is Aaron Rodgers still. Um, but, it's it's just like he's just the separate he, like I don't know like Devonte Adams is like up here if there was like a video camera and you could see me he's like all the way at the ceiling and then two and three are like there's a huge space between one and two and then there is uh, number two and three so I mean like the way that Devonte is performing this is a top level like I haven't seen this in a while like. Yeah, his his season's one of the craziest in recent memory. He had the most PPR points in in football by 13 points, so by a pretty substantial margin while playing two less games and realistically playing two and a half less games because he came out of a game early with an injury. Like what we've seen out of Devontae Adams this year is really probably as good as you can expect a wide receiver season to go. Like, he had touchdowns in, what was that, eight straight games, nine straight, yeah, eight straight games. He had a, he had two three-touchdown games, three two-touchdown games. He only had two games this entire season where he didn't find the end zone. Like, that, literally what you got out of, like, on a points-per-game basis, too, he led football. 
Uh, he averaged more points per game than any quarterback, than any running back, than any wide receiver, than any tight end. It was literally him. Like he was the top scorer per on a, like a points per game basis in fantasy football this year. And there's no reason to think that he can't repeat that. Yeah. Um, there's yeah, definitely. I mean, that, I mean, Devonte Adams, as long as he's got Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I'm not, I'm, there's no shade on Devonte Adams here. I mean, he's man, like this, this past game, this past game against the Tennessee Titans, I think he had three scores. I think it was man. Yep. Oh my God, that boy is slippery! All right, wow, yeah. So that that's just wide receivers this year, and like you mentioned, Jake, like he was out for two and a half games, and he has eighteen touchdowns on the season. That's just fucking. That's just insane. Wow. I'm yeah, just, it's it's insane production. It's yeah. It's literally like he's the guy that we dream every one of our receivers has the potential to be. Like. It, Definitely. Yeah, like a guy like uh, who's emerging right now uh, in today's like DK Metcalf, like the guy that can like, you know, that has that track speed, like can catch the ball that can go 80 yards like Devontae Adams and De- um, DK Metcalf both have that speed. I'm like, oh, my God, like like I'm going to stop talking about it because these these are the receivers that your your team wishes to have like like big, big desperation mode, like wishes to have like, wow, man, just just insane. But yeah, uh, what's the what's the best defense that you have? Well, um, like who, uh, who's the best defense that performed for you? Mine was Kansas City. Like I had Kansas City that um, pretty helped me out. Yeah, for me it was a combination of Miami and Washington. Um, I streamed both of their defenses quite frequently, especially uh, Washington mostly later in the year. Um, but Miami's the team that I probably had the most consistently. I'd have to go back and look to be sure. Um, I started the season with the Colts defense, too. Uh, so they obviously were pretty good. Um, they ended up as the second best scoring fantasy defense in our league settings anyway. Um, so they, you know, they were consistently pretty good. Uh, Miami was, I think, probably the biggest surprise. And they're somebody who carried me for quite a bit of the season uh, defensively anyway. Um, I'm going back and looking at each week. So week two, I streamed the Chiefs defense. Uh, week three, the Giants defense. Week four, Rams defense. So as you can see, like I switch my defense around a lot. I, I matchup hunt a lot with defense, um, and it's worked pretty well for me. The Rams defense too is another defense I had. Uh, it looks like you know I had four or five different weeks of the Rams defense. So you know defense is a position that was pure like a purely streaming spot for me. Um, it's kind of always been that way for me. Like I just unless you get you know the Steelers, like the Steelers, you know you can run out there every week. Um, but otherwise, like, I think it's more often than not best to just find the matchups. Like, that's exactly what I did this past week. You know, I had the Eagles defense originally um, and then decided last minute to switch it out for Washington. Um, Carolina ended up being the top fantasy scoring defense. And a lot of that was because they were playing Washington. It was, you know, it was matchup based. You know, that's ultimately what it ended up ended up, you know, being. So I think that's the way you look at defense. But, you know, those the, the Dolphins, Colts, and Rams were three pretty consistent defenses for most of the year who, you know, definitely helped me out. Yeah, I mean, for me, I drafted the Saints and 49ers defense. I had to drop the 49ers defense. Just, oh, my God, they they were, they were just attacked by injuries there. But, um, 
and they just played a great game against the Arizona Cardinals. But still, um, I also drafted the Saints defense, who did turn it around um, in the middle of the season, but I dropped them, and I picked up the Kansas City defense and just rolled with them. Um, yeah, I didn't really change my defenses. Like um, There was this one time where I started like the Buffalo defense and dropped them again, and I don't know why. Um, I just make a lot of crazy moves in fantasy football, and it just ends up giving me like the worst headaches of all. Um, and it costs me. So, um, yeah, but like, you know, we're, um, ending the, um, we're nearing the end of our show and we're going to transition into uh, week 17. And we just talked 55 minutes about, you know, this fantasy football season and the players that we think that just like balled out this season. And, um, you know, I think we have a pretty sufficient list. Um, but like, you know, Jake going into week 17, man, what are some games like we already? We, uh, of course, it's Packer Week. You know, we can talk about that later if we want. But there's other games there um, that are that have playoff implications. Um, but aside from that, what's your favorite game to watch this this weekend? Um, the game I'm probably looking the most forward to, at least like a game that I think will be really fun to watch. Um, the Bills Dolphins game. You know, I think that's kind of going to be. Probably one of the better, like, most competitive games this week. Um, I just think it's a really good matchup. I want to see how Tua kind of bounces back from the benching again. Um, see, you know, see if they think, you know, if Tua can handle, you know, a good, uh, you know, better defensive matchup for him. Um, it'll be, so that'll be interesting to see. I also am really intrigued um, about how the Steelers-Browns game is going to turn out. The, spree, the Steelers are nine and a half point underdogs right now against a, a, a Browns team that is having more positive COVID tests and look like could be, you know, a little bit more rattled from injury from that. So those are two games that I'm really looking forward to this week. Yeah, I mean, I like the Bills and Dolphins game and the Browns and Steelers. I mean, I'll tell you my two games in a second. But, man, the Browns, like, why are they favored by 10 when they're losing, when they have, like, when they don't, when they, ah, sorry, tongue twister, when they don't have their best, uh, Oh my God! Another twenty twister. Um, when they don't have six of their offensive players, they don't have Jar- uh, Jarvis Landry. They don't have Rashard Higgins. They don't have um, Donovan Peoples Jones. I think they don't have. Um, I mean, they have the running backs. I think, but they don't have um, Austin Hooper either. So, I mean, like, I-, I don't know how like they're favored by ten here. Like, I would take the Steelers with the points. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that in a minute here, but yeah, it's it's I don't know I don't I don't this the odds on that game look weird to me, and yeah. I'm gonna take full advantage of it. Yeah, and like um back to my two games here, uh, the two games that I'm looking forward to see this weekend. Uh, I like the Seahawks and 49ers. Um, they used to have like a nice little rivalry, um, and the 49ers, of course, they don't have nothing to play for. And uh, Seahawks are obviously in the playoffs, but I mean, I think this could be like a little interesting game where the 49ers can like get get some revenge back from the past and stuff. Like, there's some there's some blood between these teams, I think, um, organization wise, and also like I really like the uh, Washington and Eagles game. The Eagles are not going to be playing for anything, but I just like Washington when they're playing football. Um, of course, when they don't have Dwayne Haskins anymore, uh, I don't. He's a petulant child. Like I don't even want to talk about him on this podcast. Um, but Washington has that defense, and that defense is really fun to watch. Um, I mean, uh, provided it wasn't that good in Carolina, but like you know, 
Like every time you have a chance to watch guys like Chase Young, Deron Payne on that defensive line, it's pretty fun. And I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna snack on Jalen Hurts. But like if Jalen Hurts can like you know escape that pocket, and it's gonna be a really fun game. I love watching Jalen Hurts these past couple of games too. So it's gonna be really cool watching him. Uh, I don't know who's gonna start. Is it gonna be Carson Wentz or Jalen Hurts? Uh, it'll be Hurts. I think oh, they're gonna okay. run Hurts the rest of the year. That's perfect. That's awesome. You know, like he's he's a he's a fun player to watch. I he was he was really fun to watch this past weekend. So, yeah, those are my two games. Yeah, those sound like great games to me too. Um, I you know I think the 49ers were kind of the disappointment of the the football world this year. Um, at least like you know such high expectations, and they were just rattled by injury. There's not a whole lot that they could do about it. So that'll be. Um, you know, that'll be a good game. I'd like to see the Seahawks kind of stomp on the 49ers so at least they look better going into the playoffs, but we'll see how that turns out. Um, and then I think, like you said, you know, any of the games that are those uh, NFC East teams, they'll be interesting just because there's so much on the line um, mm-hmm. with the playoff spots and everything. So, yeah, those would be super fun games to watch for me. Yeah, and like maybe maybe if you want to watch a curb stomping at like 12 p.m., maybe, Jake, the Ravens and Bengals. Um you know, the Ravens have been covering spreads. I think they covered the the last couple of weeks. I think if you look at last, last week, um, they beat the Giants 27-13. The spread there was 9. And the week before, uh, they faced the Jaguars. I think the spread there was 13. So, I mean, if you have if you have guts here, I would probably bet the Ravens here minus 11. Um, you know, that's another game that I'm going to enjoy watching, um, Lamar just tear up on. I mean, like, you know, the, the, the glorified quarterback running back, quote unquote, I call him that. Um, but like, you know, that's what the league is moving to mobile quarterbacks. And I can't be mad about that. So like, um, I, I like that game a lot. Um, when it comes to the spread, um, I mean, this, there's a divisional showdown, Vikings and Lions, and then you have um, the Bears and Green Bay. Um, those games are going to be very, very interesting because the Bears have a lot of uh, have a lot on the line for the playoffs. If the if the Cardinals lose, but if the Cardinals end up winning that game and the Bears lose, then the Bears are going to be watching the playoffs on their sofas. So that's just how it is. So, I mean, yeah, but like Jake's moving on to. Um, our locks and dogs before we are give our, our uh, money line parlays um, after our locks and dogs. Who's your locks and dogs for this weekend? Yeah, so um, my lock for the week, um, as everybody probably should expect it to be, it's the Colts over the Jaguars. This is a Jaguars team that's not going to even really be trying to winning win the football game. They're going to be without James Robinson. He's probably not going to play this week. Who knows who's going to play quarterback? It'll probably be Mike Glennon again. You know, this is a, a Jaguars team that's just not that good right now. Um, I see no reason the Colts can't come out and just absolutely stomp them, especially with the playoff position on the line. Like, the Colts are going to be playing with a different kind of fire, um, and it's something that, you know, I – I would I'd bet the house on um, when it comes to my underdogs, as we kind of just talked about the Steelers being nine and a half, 10 point underdogs right now is kind of absurd to me um, considering how good they've been all year and considering how ravaged the Browns are by, um, by these, um, why am I blanking by the, like the injuries and COVID and everything, you know, it makes no sense for the Steelers not to be my, my underdog for this week. Like it just, it seems too easy of a pick to take and I'm probably going to get burned by it and they're probably going to get smoked somehow, but that's the route I'm going anyway. So Steelers is my dog for the week. 
No, I love that pick. I really like the Steelers dog and your Colts pick. I mean, like, uh, granted, the Colts did lose week one, but that's a long time ago. Um, but, like, I really think the Colts are going to take care of business. I mean, especially with the Jaguars, who are 1-14, and who are in the sweepstakes of Trevor Lawrence there. So that's really interesting. So like those picks, love those picks. Um, but for my lock, I have the Bills over the Dolphins. I really think the Bills are a really good football team. I love them. Uh, Josh Allen is an amazing athlete. Won me a heck of a lot of money on Monday with that spread the love um, promo. Um, granted, I didn't take that uh, that that second half boost, but then I bet the Bills uh, minus seven, um, bet them in the first half, bet them in the first quarter, and then took the points in the third quarter. So I made a lot of money there, a couple of units I'm up there. So um, so that's my lock. And for my underdog, give me the Steelers as well because the Steelers they are just not they're being disrespected here in Vegas here. So, I mean, you really saw what the Steelers did against the Colts last week when they were down 21 to seven or 24 to seven and uh big Ben and um, that team rallied. And that's the first time the Steelers won since Juju danced on the logo. So that's really, really, really interesting for the Steelers there. So after losing three straight, so um, yeah, but moving on to our um, Moneyland parlays, Jake, what do you got? Yeah, so I'm going with the the Buccaneers, the Steelers, and the Eagles. Um, the odds on this come out to plus 1103. Um, so pretty decent payout. Um, if things go my way, you know, I'll win a little over 100 bucks on it. Um, based off of, I'll, I'll probably just throw like 10 bucks on it. Um, but you know, that's it's it's three teams. Um, I went for a couple underdogs in there. Um, just to try and bump the odds up a little bit. But I, they're underdogs that I don't think are too crazy. Um, like we talked about with the Steelers, uh, they're at plus 330 right now. I think maybe Roethlisberger's sitting out this game, and I think that's maybe part of the reason why the spread's that big. But even then, like if the wide receiver, they're, they're so deep, wide receiver, their offensive line hasn't been great, but you know that's not going to change. Um, but you know, even with a guy, you know, one of their backups out there, I don't see any reason like they can't put up a decent performance against the Browns, who are so like we talked about, riddled with COVID and injuries and whatnot. Um, and then I went with the Eagles as well, um, as you know, they're they're an underdog there, a plus one hundred eight underdog. But as we kind of talked about before the pod, um, you know, I've, this is the best offense we've really seen out of Philly all year. Jalen Hurts runs this offense really, really well. Um, and this is a Washington team that is. You know, they're dealing with some injuries of their own offensively. Um, and, they, you know, maybe they rest guys, you know, or at least try and rest guys a little bit. Maybe they, you know, if not a true rest, but maybe some limited snap counts from some guys here. So, you know, I went I went odds chasing a little bit here, tried to get that odds up a little bit. But that's just the route that I personally went. Um, I think they're matchups that I like, too. So we'll see how that turns out. I love that parlay, man. I'll actually ride with you on that parlay. But, um Nearing our end of our podcast here, we got a couple of minutes here before we sign off here. But my parlay for this Sunday is like I'm gonna take some um, big balls here and actually, um, you know, see if I could, uh, you know, uh, see if I could win this parlay t- um, this weekend. So I'm gonna take the Chicago Bears money line. Um, they have a lot to play for. They need to win this game. And if they don't, then like I said earlier, they're gonna sit um, sit at home and enjoy the playoffs. And I don't think they're gonna enjoy the playoffs. They're just gonna be really mad at themselves. Um, the second pick I have is uh, the Los Angeles Rams. I really think that if Kyler can't go, these lines will move in the favor of the Los Angeles Rams. So try to see if you can get the Los Angeles Rams in plus money. And last but not least, I really like the Houston Texans upsetting the um, upsetting the Titans. 
and just completely destroying their playoff hopes. So these are three plus money lines, and I'm not. I, I got some logic behind these picks, and I'll tweet them out later because um, we're um, over an hour here, and Jake has a lot of things to do, and I have a lot of things to do. So um, you know, like my reasoning for the Texans is that, like you know. They got nothing to lose, and they, they've been playing better ever since Bill O'Brien got fired um, up and down, and, you know, we you saw them last week lose to the Bengals, and they're going to use that as motivation to try to, like, you know, knock out their foe, um, division foe out of the playoffs, so um, that's going to be really interesting to see if they can try to do that, so that parlay pays out um, at, at an odds of plus two. 2483 and 10 to win uh, $248.34. So that's where I'm going to be playing. It's a risky parlay, but um, if you got big balls, um, enter it in and see if you can win. But till then, guys, we'll talk to you next week. Um, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year to all of our listeners. We appreciate you. And, um, you know, you can follow us on Twitter, um, AsiaDecide4. That's me. You can follow my co host on Twitter, Jake Perry. We'll see y'all next week. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Stay home. Stay comfy.